0: You're listening to Conversations with Shonda, a podcast that unpacks the community's grittiest, most vexing problems, hosted by Shonda Smith-Baker.
1: This conversation is sponsored by KP Companies, matching top talent with leading companies for over 20 years. KP Companies is an executive search firm specializing in finding top-tier talent across various industries and skill sets through their exceptional talent match process making them your source for finding key people getting touch with kp companies at KPCompanies.com. hello community this is shauna smith baker and joining me today is dion dawson dion is the founder of dion chicago dream he is a black man a proud son of inglewood he has experienced a lot in his life And all of that has armed him with awareness, empathy, and universal love that has guided his desire for a more equitable and equal world. Dion has founded Dion Chicago Dream in 2020 to challenge the idea of solving food insecurity through transparent operations, consistent quality, and a deep commitment from the community he comes from.
0: I hope you enjoy this conversation. When I first started the the organization, Bryson was with me every day. So I worked out of my car for two years. And he was in, he was there every every day. I stocked the community fridge. He was in the car seat. When I had a gun pulled on me, he was in the car seat. Um, the whole nine winter, summer, spring, fall, the whole nine. And so, you know, I also understand that I was lucky that he was there for like that first part, and I kind of understood. And so now it's just this part of making sure I'm not too hard on myself because nobody really gets it. So I'm just like I I just try to make sure that like I'm really, really graceful with myself because we can also like talk ourselves into a depression that we shouldn't be in as well.
1: Well, I think that's interesting being from a neighborhood and you're from Chicago South Side and doing work where you're from takes on a different weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm convinced it's a different weight. I don't know what I don't know another weight, but I know I feel different about what I provide to the neighborhood I'm from because the expectation feels different
0: that I have on myself I mean you 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 hit it on the head it's that expectation is not even external it's internal because the expectation for us is you know for me I did not like that there was no expectation but the bar was so low there was not any expectation of a commitment uh, or consistency or quality. And that's why that's why those are like things that like I really, really harp on, especially when we're talking about, about food. In this journey, especially when you're talking about food and, and social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, there should be a commitment. There should be a certain quality. There should be something that makes it different. And since it wasn't external, I had to like do something to hold myself accountable. I had to make sure that, yeah, like I represent them. Like this is me. You know what I mean? Right. They are me. Yeah. Like There's no
1: separation. Right. At so all. When we met in Chicago, I shared a little bit about, about North Market, um, which is a health and wellness integrated grocery store in North Minneapolis. And I remember thinking that as we were envisioning that, I wanted the level of excellence to be so high that the community wouldn't accept anything lower. Absolutely. And that's what kept me up at night. Like, you know, I remember running into funders and other people and they would say, I bet, you know, thinking about the low margin on grocery is keeping you up at night. And I'm like, actually, in my head, I was thinking, no, disappointing community is what's keeping
0: me up. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's, it's the same when we met. There were people who literally hit me up and saw that we were connected that was like oh man like and i'm for me i'm just like i don't care you know what i mean like i'm wait i will always feel more weight if a resident hits us up and say they got something bad in their box you know what i mean or something like that that is when my stomach start hurting and and I call my uh, my COO and we like, we both like, uh, we let's get to the bottom of how this happened, who did it, get another box out the whole night or, or something like that. But it never, it's almost like you have to build it in a way where it can stay like that because everyone else is built for their stressor to be in the margin, but that's like, I'm coming from nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. I had no margin. You know what I mean? Like this wasn't a thing where I said, Hey, we're going to build a distribution based uh, model and we're going to do 50,000 pounds a month. I didn't think of any of that. So, so
1: I did some digging on your website. I want to bring people into the story <laughs> a little bit deeper because on, on your website, Dion's um, Chicago dream, you have a letter from Dion. Yeah. <laughs> And I want to sort of start there because we've talked about us being community kids. And I think that when people decide to tap into their experiences and use those tests Mm -hmm. as the testimony, as the driver to get them to to move into service. Yes. Amazing things can happen. And you have been driven by that. So it seems. And so can you talk about. What is underneath this story that has brought you here?
0: The theme that has presented itself now for me is is being intentional. And prior to this journey and prior to starting this, I wasn't. You know, I was just reactive and I was just being and I was going through and I was a passive uh, actor in my own story. and. What this allowed me to do was actually dream beyond what was right in front of me, because when you when you go through a situation where you're homeless most of your childhood, you score high on the ACT, you can't go anywhere because your family has nothing, um, you drop out of college after two weeks because you're still homeless, and... You know, Chicago State is still within a community that you're homeless in. And then you go to the military and you 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 find something that you love and you're great at it. You win awards. You come back to Chicago and you feel like nothing changes. You feel like you, you, you look up and you're homeless again and you're living in your car. You're going to DePaul. And no matter how good I was in situations that I didn't want to be in it never changed my outcome or my, or, or what I ultimately had as a reality. But, but with this, it flipped on its head. And I just, I, I, I woke up with a fire, the world's biggest fire truck couldn't put out. I just, I'm, I'm so on fire to go get what they, they think we can't get and to provide what they say is impossible. Mm-hmm. In every situation, the they changes. When it when we started, it was just people who didn't think that we could actually feed 100 families mm-hmm. on July 3rd in 2020. Then after that, it was starting a community fridge and talking to other organizations with community fridges and them not liking that we locked our fridge. But then me finding out that they didn't stock their fridge every day. So that was fr- empty fridges and a sea of empty fridges. And then starting Dream Deliveries and, and, you know, having a concept note written uh, professionally and having the person put in there that we were going to charge people after six months. Which wasn't true. And so another and so like at every level is just being, you know, being a student and and being on fire and representing everyone else that just. Continuously is told or or not even told, but just never believe in their heart that they can really make a difference in their own life.
1: I think often we're in spaces where people feel like if someone just makes a little bit more money or if they're just given an opportunity, they're just going to fly. And that does work sometimes. But there's also this conditioning that we get in, right? So what, what you just said in a really succinct short moment was that you were brilliant in school and that didn't amount to success at all right that you were navigating with love around you is what i what i feel mm-hmm. but that it it still led you to some some places that didn't provide sort of the type of security housing, all of these, these things that some people just take for, for granted. Absolutely. Right. And I think the piece that, that drew me in the letter was around the housing insecure piece and that no one talked to you about it.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, even to this day, I tell people, I don't really know how I made it to the other side. As a sane person. I don't, I don't, because when you look at a lot of the things that played a role in why my family was in the position it was in, so many people don't get this opportunity. But with the housing piece, I never went to a home in high school that was ours where we were where, where we weren't living with somebody or sleeping on a couch or in someone else's space. Not once. Wow. And so it it warps your idea of what you think you deserve and as a result you know that the 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 housing piece is something that that i don't even think i'm i'm truly over it you know what i mean how I, can
1: you be like yeah. I mean, housing is such a stressful area that our cities are faced with right yeah. we have babies that are going to school across our country that are experiencing what you had just said that you experienced in high school at really young ages. Absolutely. And we're not talking to them about it. So it's warping their sense of Uh self-insecurity. And here you are successful saying, you don't know if you've gotten over it. Absolutely. Because
0: I think a part of me accepted That. I may not ever get over it. And so I kind of just. Put it down for a minute. I think I just I just woke up and I said, hey, I'm not going to solve. The the pain or the trauma or or all of the negatives associated with the situation that I and my family are in. So what could I do even with this still here? What can I build even if I'm going through all of this and it's the middle of a, a pandemic? It's the middle of, you know, a racial reckoning after George Floyd is murdered. It's, it's it's all of these things. I just said, I just woke up and said, it's it's always going to be here. And so I just said, OK, I'll just move with it. Maybe a little heavier, but yeah.
1: So you said, let me do food. Like that's just it came to you in a dream. Like, I mean, is that
0: how you got to I'll I'll tell you. Yeah, I want to hear it. I think that I, I didn't even mentally acknowledge this until like two or three months ago. It's two things that I think really played a part in that. The first one is, of course, being food insecure, being homeless, the whole nine, like that. But I'm really, really from the South Side. And what I've seen and what I've experienced is not just the good of food distribution, but the bad. And I remember seeing a lot of people at a lot of different churches and food give outs, take the good stuff and put it in their trunk and looking at them do it. And we get, we get the unlabeled stuff or the secondhand stuff. And so when the I was thinking. Hand
1: of, the second hand, the secondhand, oh, the secondhand.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Okay. And and when when I started, I you know I just said you know when when someone asked me and he said, hey, what are you going to do for Juneteenth? And I just said we're going to feed people. I think it was honestly because that was something that I'd been exposed to, and I felt like it wasn't done with the right amount of heart or integrity or respect, and so I just figured. I think that I could do it in a way where I can put it all out there. And I'm lucky because when I did it, 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 it did it for me. Logistically, it wasn't done great, but it did it enough for me. What was the, it, it did for you. It was the first time in my life where I set a goal and no matter how many things seemed like it was against it. Like I pushed through and it wasn't even for me or my personal benefit. And so when, when I did it, it just, it gave me something that nobody could take. And it wasn't because I was homeless. It wasn't because I'm a black man or because I was a homeless veteran. It was just because like, I wanted to do this thing. And even to this day, that you know, I I think back, and you know, it's funny because you know, someone I look at like a father figure, um, a youth minister that I that I grew up with. We talked for about three hours just after it was over, and I'm just ringing off stuff I want to do, and how this is, and we laugh about it now because in three years that that's exactly what happened. Like it it was that moment, that thing that I could see. Something was attainable without someone telling me it was attainable or someone or or someone saying, hey, you have all these things going against you. It was just that thing for me.
1: So how do you
0: do food differently? Oh, we buy everything. We don't take any 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 old expiring anything. We don't let people, you know, with the give us cans of stuff that they don't want. We buy everything brand new um, and we present it in a way that's respectful and have a process that champions their experience. And so what they receive is something that's fresher than in the store and it's free. They receive it in a branded box that mimics the branding of a Nike shoe box or something like that. And the way that they receive it is it's delivered to them in a humane way and with respect, and and that's it. It's, it in those three major areas, and, and we're doing it in a way also that we don't take volunteers. We've created jobs and built infrastructure so that we're not building uh, a major company or organization on the backs of black and brown labor. Describe delivered, like to their door? To their door last mile delivery uh we have a system where we do route dispatching we own all of our vehicles we own all of our food we pay all of our people so we own our entire supply chain so that when we uh hit go our team is delivering that box goes it goes from wholesale grocer to us boxing it to the door with two to three days so and, okay so so let me just get this right
1: so you you started in 2020 on Juneteenth.
0: Distributing food. Oh no, no, we we had we didn't even distribute then. That was a feed, one singular feeding event in um July third. After that, we um we decided to uh, become a nonprofit, and we were uh, incorporated August tenth. So we didn't start delivering. We've only been delivering for two years. So we started Dream Deliveries with fifteen homes, uh, in the first, the first Friday, of twenty twenty one. And now wow. we're at when you're business. talking about growth, you are in growth. So you have yes. how many
1: vehicles, how many staff, and are you paying them a livable wage?
0: Yes. So we have five uh, vehicles, um, three Sprinters, one minivan and one 24-foot box truck. Um, all We own all of it. Uh, we have 23 uh, team members and no one in our organization makes under $20 an hour. And how'd that feel just to say that? Oh, no, it's, it's, I, I've listened that, that is it. And to know it's true, it feels amazing. You know what I mean? And, and, but also like the way that we market our organization is extremely intentional. And so we market ourselves to show the logistics part of the food. It's not built on seeing the sad, disheveled people receive our food or none of that stuff. But the beautiful thing like you've done and like you have done with your grocery store is you still have the stories here and here. And so I have the stories of the team members who started with no phone, who has their own apartment now. You know what I mean? Or, Or the ones who didn't have a car and now they have a car. I love it. Your Instagram
1: is everything. One of your team members that didn't want to be on camera. Yeah, James. Like, James, I was like, "Oh, listen man, I need to be <laughs> James."
0: <laughs> listen, and and so to to say that is one thing, but to feel it and to to really be able to represent what philanthropy can be is what it's about for me, and that's the that's the thing that that when we're Early on, when you're when you're trying to to, to do something that seems astronomical, especially in philanthropy, you know what I mean? It's not it wasn't meant for us. And while we're here, you're going to have the best idea. You won't be funded like uh, cis white male on the north side of Chicago. But to show people. That, you know, being a, a million dollar organization in two years to be debt free and to never operate out of the red, to own all of your assets, to do all of these things, to to really care for people and do it in public so that everyone can be a part of this movement. And so, you know, with this, this that's why I call it a movement. And why? Because, you know, it's not just, you know, our Instagram as a team It's, it's, it's yours, too. Because even with with you all, you know, there with the grocery store, you know, you all seeing us will will spark something and us seeing you will spark. And that's the thing. Like, I love that. But to say that, you know, they're paid. is mandatory.
1: I think what you're representing is that when things are rooted in community and respect, it's familiar to people that are also rooted in community and respect.
0: Absolutely. It's that's their right, gym.
1: like you can feel it, you can feel yeah. the essence of it, and so then you know you're drawn to it in, in that way. Can you talk about the ways that that your the model works? Absolutely. So
0: before I get to the program, and I'll break down all three teams. Yeah, uh, the three teams we have uh, the build team. The build team is responsible for, of course, you know, building out the the empty boxes, and then of course, receiving all of our food packing it up and then storing it. And then that leads to the delivery team, which comes in, you know, four or five in the morning, they have their route dispatched, load up their sprinters, they're delivering all day but the sweet spot is our is also our third team. Our third team is our community resident liaisons. And those are the ones who are tasked with doing a bi-weekly touchpoint on all of the households and collecting perception-based data around how they're experiencing our produce our program and our organization. And so from there, we're able to build our dream score, which is our own metric that allows us to know what success looks like at the micro level not the macro so we created this metric and now you know our dreams our uh, dream score is a nine point it? a 9.6 right now and you know we also know that you know with our custom dashboard we created we know our average delivery time is 1.3 minutes because we have two people In our delivery vehicles, one to maintain positive control of the vehicle, mark arrival, delivery and departure, and one to take the box from the the vehicle to the household and take the photo for proof of delivery. And so we could also, even in that moment, only only have one person in each vehicle. But how do we have a quality experience where everything can be done, but we also don't have a sprinter holding up traffic in the hood? You know what I mean? or something like that. And so the way that, you know, this works is we have three programs. Of course, we started with uh, Project Dream Fridge, our community fridge in Englewood. And that's where we really learned uh, a new way of, of respecting qualitative data. You know, you get it in your face at seven in the morning, no matter the weather, stocking a community fridge every day. And that's when we we learned a lot of those lessons uh, hands on that we needed to learn to then launch Dream Deliveries. And Dream Deliveries is our flagship program where we deliver a week's worth of fresh produce households all over the Chicagoland area. Um, We're in about a 45 mile radius. We're in every um, food desert and or area plagued by food apartheid in the Chicagoland area. We're already delivering there because we don't sign up on our website. We, we actually sign up when they reach out to us. And so people in need talk to people in need. And so that's why we've been able to grow from those 15 households to 1100 households per week. And then finally, we have the Dream Vault, which recently launched the Dream Vault. It's network-enabled locker system that allows us to partner with a big box provider or even like a grocery store like yours It's still our produce, but now we have a way to really uh, dictate human behavior and get them inside the stores uh, so that they can get our produce while also using their resources, you know, their money on protein options or anything else in the store uh, that that household may need. So just with that suite of offerings, we've been able to have, you know, a threefold system of addressing unique uh, food insecurity circumstances.
1: Yeah, okay. Say the dream vault thing again, slower for me. So, oh, of course. yes. No, Because yes. I think I got it. So basically they can pick up on produce to supplement their meals through the week. So they can buy their their protein and you're supplementing with the produce and the fruit. Is that how that works?
0: Yeah. So they're getting their dream delivery box
1: at that vault. So they're going to go into the store. And it's connected to a store.
0: Oh, I, oh so yeah, we partnered with the store. Like The, so the, the store sale. let you bring your vault into the Absolutely. store. Absolutely absolutely because why would they do that because the store is there as a business and not as a food insecurity response and so when i talked to them i said hey listen you're not here to fight food insecurity you're here to run a business when whenever we're building programming we speak to human behavior we never try to shift it and so if we can give them almost $30 of brand new fruits and vegetables, and they're able to get into that store, now they can spend their money on things that they that they may need. It may be protein one week when they pick up the box. Maybe the next week they got to pay a bill. But they don't have to choose between access to fresh and healthy produce or that other thing. Do you have any data on whether or not
1: it's reduced lifting or has it supported their
0: business, has it driven business to them? Well, here's here's the thing. Right now, because it just launched, we don't have that access yet. But the beautiful thing is, is we can always check that against how many transactions do you have? Because I know for a fact that regardless of it, we have 175 households who's picking up a box per week. Mm-hmm. Every every We have 25 lockers every day. A household has access to that locker for the entire day. So once we load the lockers, you know, Monday morning, if the Johnson household has locker one, they're going to have it and get a reminder every two hours to pick up their box until the end of the day. By the end of the day, if no one picks it up, we go back and pick it back up so it doesn't sit overnight. Then the next day, the next set of households. So we know the foot traffic that we're bringing and is inside the store. We're keeping up our end of the bargain. And our what, what we say is, hey, listen, we know we could get them there. And it's in a dignified and respectful way, where you know, even if you look at the video um, when we launched Dream, the Dream Vault, it's, it's it does not look like it, it does not look like charity. You know what I mean? It's this beautiful, you know, branded thing that's clean, that's 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 respectful, and it's a process where you're just putting in the code. You know what I mean? You don't have to give uh, a food voucher. You don't have to feel less than. And as a result, now you have dignified people picking up amazing products in your store, it's on you to keep them there. You know what I mean? That's that's it. You know, a lot of people don't know this and I love surrounding myself with data that is so jarring that it, it forces, you know, my team and I to respond. And like one of the most jarring stats that I just couldn't get out of my head still to this day is that the market cap for food distribution in Illinois in philanthropy, it's 400 million. And oh no no it's go it's it's that for for us that's jarring right but 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 listen to this. Of the 400 million 96% goes to four white led organizations. And so as a result when I see it I said oh, that 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 hurts. And so and those four white organizations get
1: money, and then their role is to distribute it to the other food organizations. Is that? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no. oh, listen, oh, listen. If we
0: if we go talk, let's 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 break this. Let's talk. Let's talk oh, yeah. about it. So the problem that I have as we go on, we're, we're I, I'm going to always kind of pick your brain or talk to you because after I, I share this part, it's really hard to sit with this part. You know what I mean? That part is the food pantry model. And the problem with this model is the model was created in the fifties to champion brick and mortar locations. So if I'm anchored in last mile delivery, I'm going against a system that was never meant to incorporate it. Why? Because, because the pantry model hinges on the, the pantry taking the write-off for a big food donation. It being shipped to the the model was created to be not only a tax shelter, but the way that is done. So you look at it: the pantry receives the food, they write it off. Not to mention that that write-off still counts as revenue for your organization. So let's t- let's let's start with. Once it's written off, if you get a hundred thousand dollars worth of food, you are now in the eyes of the IRS a hundred thousand dollar organization, even if you have no money in the bank. So that's number one. Then we talk about it championing a brick and mortar location and never creating any type of metric that can properly track repeat customers or their experience after their home, or or even when they're receiving your services. So now you're talking about a situation where the pantry model was created in the 50s and 60s in Arizona, from then until now, it has not evolved. From then until now, it has not incorporated outside innovation or outside technology inside of philanthropy, unless it's a situation where you have a DoorDash or an Amazon that collects the data And it lives on their servers. So, of course, they'll do it for free because we're not, we're giving access to our people without taking any cut, but it's it's basically masqueraded as they're helping us. We look at the model, it was something jarring to me. Whenever we, you know, look at 990s, you know, the average 990 is about, you know, 40, 50, 60 pages. And then I looked at the 990s of those. Major partners in the Feeding America Network. And those 990s are about 400 pages. Oh, 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 see, see, oh, yeah, listen. But we're going to even go even deeper. Now, of course, I could point to how we talked about the pantries were bleeding, but then you looked at the food depositories 990 and 2020, and they entered the year with 250 million and exited the year with 150 million. Okay. That's, that's the first thing when I look at the 990s. The second thing, of course, is you scroll past a C-suite that does not have any Black representation, you know, then the, the couple that were there, they're, they're not there now. I'm in food. just like you're in food where you are, you know, you know, the, the scuttlebutt. And so that's 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 strike two. But to strike three is is the big part because this exposed what the food thing is now. When well, you get about halfway through that 400 pages, you see a section it has all of the partners listed. And they're they're ranked in decreasing order of how much support the partner gave to them. And in this year, they gave the Thornton Township Pantry $4 million worth of food. The problem with that is in the very next column, they only gave them $2,500 in cash. And so now we start to see why food is so messed up, because how could you give someone $4 million worth of dried or canned goods or expiring produce without any money to support their operations, proper CRM systems, or even pay people a, a salary? Then when you look over a couple more columns, that's this is the sweet spot for me. This is where it all makes sense. Said, how did they come up with that evaluate, um, evaluation? And it said, market analysis. So they're charging market rate for expiring food. And I said, ah, that's the game. And so now you look at a, a system where you have a system where you take 50 leaders, black and brown leaders from the south and west side of Chicago, and all of them have a badge of honor saying they're feeding their community without all 50 realizing that all that food is coming from the same network and it's the same quality. Because nobody looked beyond just taking what is readily available and saying, hey, why is all of this quality so bad? And so when we're talking about food and we're talking about why we're we're stuck in this system, it's because we're feeding people as if there was a hurricane or a national weather event. Why does it look eerily similar when there's a tornado in Florida And the south side of Chicago, why are we feeding people outside on a a folding table out the back of a a U-Haul truck? I've ran some
1: of those food pantries, right? So what you hear me thinking through is number one, you know, I was a little bit more inventive than what what some of them may be out there. So I'm proud of it. But I also acknowledge that you're very much part of a system that forces you into compliance. The compliance within the system is distance from what community needs. So, I'll give an example of this. I was running um, a network of locations, right? The organization that I ran, and there were a number of people that were newly arriving to our country during the holidays. You would get holiday baskets, and you, we would distribute them. And so, we were giving out, you know, canned goods and turkeys and all this stuff. And so, we did this one year, and we go <laughs> at the end of the day. And most of the food from the baskets were by the trash bin what What I realized is number one, I kept sort of fighting with why was our cost per distribution higher because we have people that didn't know what canned beets were or what the products were that we were distributing. So if the goal is to is to make sure that they're not hungry, then we need to feed them foods that they're familiar with, and they're new to the country. so we need to give. Foods that are culturally relevant for -hmm. their experience, their needs, for their Mm -hmm. dietary experiences, all of those things to help them feel like they belong. Absolutely. In our community. Right. So Mm -hmm. that was one thing. And it was it was a solid lesson for me. Right. So I'm like, "Now what happened? All the stuff was by the garbage can. I'm like, they don't know what it is. Yeah. And and I was thankful for staff. That saw it, recognized, communicated it so that we can make a pivot. The other thing that I shared with you was some of the other ways in which things were getting distributed. And we would go into this market rate situation. And finally I was like, just forget it. We don't need those resources. Yep. Because it actually isn't serving community in the way that they're telling us that it's is serving. helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just tell them no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But right? no, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So who yeah. knew at the time that it was a bold decision? I'm just like, it's just a no, just just We don't need this contract. It's just a no. And so then a funder came to us. And ultimately that funder helped seed what was the idea that then ultimately moved into what is now a grocery store on 44th and Humboldt Avenue. That was an abandoned building. For many, many years in a neighborhood that was deprived from a full service grocery store. And it came from a series of no's and observations and engaging community and trying to disrupt a system that wasn't serving community in the way that that we understand because we're proximate. Yeah. Right. In this model. And I think we've touched on it a little bit. There's been a lot of talk about moving away from like a charity mindset. In terms of serving communities, brown and black communities, poor communities, like, do you have tangible ways in which a charity mindset looks like? If people are like, "Huh," like as they're listening and they're like, "Why do good work?" and I have good intentions. Like, how would someone be able to assess out whether or not they have a charitable mindset or a justice mindset or one that is is rooted in sort of respect, respect and connection to
0: community? Well, I think it starts for me what I what I've had to understand is no matter what part of philanthropy you're in, you have to be product or program driven. And that product has to it it can't be anchored in emotion. It has to be anchored in being a quality product or program. And so can my product bring value and brand equity independent of me pitching it. If someone sees it, can it stand on its own? Against that, and listen, against everything, not just other you know, philanthropic products, every product. And so when we look at making sure that the vaults are always uh, wiped down once a week, I got that from Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola spends millions Just on making sure that when the trucks arrive, they're washed. You don't see dirty Coca-Cola trucks. When you see processes and you see products and programs, the first thing is, can it stand against what you buy as a quality good for yourself? If your quality good is this amazing taco restaurant and you make ready-made meals, can you put yours up against theirs? Little things like that, even if, you know, you're an event-based program. Okay, we we see what Lollapalooza does. And it won't be at that scale. But okay, did you get the permits for your event? Is there an experience where people have a special wristband? Is there a photo booth? Do you have quality photos? Mm -hmm. Do you have food vendors? Or is it just you're hoping people come because it's for a good cause? And what people have seen with what we've been able to do and how I see it is they that I can't have people support us because I was a, a homeless kid from Inglewood. It has to be a model and a product that's so damn good, that's so amazing, that's so beautiful, that 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 really checks so many boxes that you can't ignore it. And what we see in program development and, and, and uh product development, especially in philanthropy is they think the story will supersede the, the item or the program, and it won't. Some people will will see your your product independent of you. And if you have to tell that story, then you're screwed. Yeah, I appreciate
1: you saying that. And I think that, you know, I want to just be clear, like part of part of why I wanted you to share that is because of an article I read today. On A commercial buyer coming into the neighborhood, buying up 200 homes Mm -hmm. and how what is the rent on paper is not what people are actually buying or paying for rent because there's Mm -hmm. so many fees. Right. The levels of homelessness, but also because of the stability of being housed. Also depends on the affordability of so many other things that when you look at having access to quality food and it being affordable, it allows for you to have stability in other areas of your home. Right. And I think because you understand it at its essence, that the way in which you look and operate doesn't have a different value chain. As a right. Like that's what I was trying to communicate. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're not looking at those that need access. Yeah. I as look though at they're less of an asset to community because they they
0: are are needing support. Absolutely. And even if right. you look at how we're marketed, you know, I've never marketed us as a black solution. I've never marketed us as, you know, only for old people. And when people say that, we correct them. Oh, no, we say, no, that's not true. Because you know somebody who makes six six figures who's cash poor. And you also know somebody who makes 40 grand a year who's debt free and they live in a life. And so what we also have to do, and and, and listen, i make it really clear. We can correct them because, because we stand on integrity. You can only correct someone from love when you know that you're moving the right way. And so when we're saying it, we're not correcting them to correct them. We're saying, no, it's important for you to understand. That's why when people, you know, before they reach out, they say, oh, no, I want to go to somebody else who really need it. Well, access is more than just whether or not you make you making enough money. Because you can make a lot of money and it ain't a grocery store in your damn neighborhood. You
1: make a lot of money and have a lot of people you're taking care of. Exactly. Because
0: I've been working since I was 16. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, 14. Yeah. And then, and then going to say, you know what I mean? And like like those checks mean different than than, you know, other people are just making money to have something for the summertime. And so when we talk about, you know, correcting them, it just starts from understanding like, no, this is real. This is this is the product. I don't go I don't look at our vault and say, oh, that looks good for a nonprofit. It's purposely in there to look amazing so that people could 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 it can build FOMO. So it can be something where when you see someone, when they put the code in and it opens, if you look in the video, you know, Sherry pulls that box out, puts it in the cart and goes on about a business. Ain't nobody staring and gawking. If anything, if they ask what's in there, we open it up, it's going to look fresher than most of the stuff that they just bought, if we being honest.
1: When you vision to what might be ahead next year, do you have a vision for that? Not at all, because I'll, I'll limit myself. I love that. I feel that. I feel that to my core. Yeah. Yeah. If
0: I if I if I say that and and, and you know, this as a leader is so fickle. You know what I mean? And 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 the the view of our business and, and our orgs and our companies shifts per phone call. So if I had a great phone call right before this recording, I'd say, next, you're looking good. But it's not about that. I think that ultimately I anchor myself in the micro because the market require requires it. They like everything about what we're in right now is is micro, and it's easy to anchor and succeed in micro, and then multiply up. It is so hard to be anchored in my, uh, macro and divide down because it doesn't shake like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I believe wholeheartedly that when you're centered in community, community will help you build to where it needs to go. That's it. That when you start dreaming without it, that'll get cut off real fast. But when you bring community like the ideas that come from
0: from community, there's there's absolutely nothing like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so funny because that, that question you know, it's so commonplace in, you know, in grand interviews or when you're talking to potential, uh, you know, high-level donors, i just say, yeah, I don't think like that. You're talking to a guy that was homeless and his mom beat kidney cancer and then we went into a worldwide pandemic. I'm not, listen, we good. You know right. what I mean? You're talking to a real business owner and a real bi- like like a, someone who's really an entrepreneur. All right, look, oh, I'm trying to make payroll next month. What are we talking about here?
1: Look, I, w- I was uh, at this retreat in 2017 and they were like, you know, what's, what's your hack, right? What, like, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? And I said, to not have a goal. As and is. they kept pushing me. They kept pushing me. And I'm like, you know, everywhere I go, people are like, what's your vision? What do you, where, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you do this? And I'm like, you know, part of what I see a problem is, is that everyone is always looking for the next thing. And most people are unhappy with the thing they're in right now. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a goal to just be centered in happiness, be Absolutely. grateful for where I'm at, to be focused and present.
0: Like that within That's itself it. is a discipline. And it's, listen, I I tell people every day. I say, I, it's funny. I just put this up on LinkedIn. I mean, uh, on um on TikTok, I did like a video yesterday where I just said, like, you ever notice the the unhappiness that creeps from like people. You know questioning us, and they'll be like, Oh man, but how you know you ask somebody doing it, like you know, I'm going through this, but how are you doing? Because I know it's just hard. And I <laughs> said, and I said, No, it ain't. I I'm cool, I'm good. I'm 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 having the time, like I'm having the time, like I don't know about anybody else, but Drake said something when they interviewed him before he kind of came back out. It was about two years ago, it was in the middle of the pandemic, and um. I love it because, you know, when you hear someone say something that you, you can't say it that way, but they 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 gave it to you. He said, I really do this. I don't know about these other rappers, but this is my life. And so for me, it's like, I don't know about other people in philanthropy. I don't know about other people in food. I do this. This is me. Like, we really do 50,000 pounds. I really walk in, in, we walk in the building and you smell the greens and we're building boxes and it's it's cheap, keep blasting because they they can play the music that they want. Then they can be themselves. Like I really do this. And so I did not allow my purpose to become a prison ever. I appreciate
1: you. As we wrap, what I want to make sure is that if people listening want to find out more,
0: so where should they go? First of all, they should look within and they should tell themselves that they are amazing and that they should, that they love themselves because life is extremely hard and they need to know that they're amazing and they need to give themselves grace and space. And then after that, they can go to every social media platform, uh, Dion Chicago Dream, D-I-O-N-S Chicago Dream, or go to our website, dionchicagodream.com or .org because we bought both of them because we don't need y'all making mistakes. And just reach out to us. Send us an email. Give us a call. Anything. Engage. Support comes in so many different forms. It's not just about a dollar. Sometimes it's about a like or share or furthering our mission, because right now what we're trying to do and what we've been successful at doing is really changing what philanthropy should look and feel like and how we interact with it. And I refuse to believe that philanthropy is just a lot of people with a lot of money trying to give it out to everybody. Philanthropy uh, starts in the community. It starts in the organizations. It starts with the leaders. So if they can do that, then that would be a win if we can change somebody's mind or get them on our bus or get them to go in your grocery store or get on our list. then I think we won. To explore more insightful conversations and stay updated on Shonda Smith-Baker's work, visit our new website at smithbaker.co. That's smithbaker.co.